So there was a lot going on this week, and no, I don't mean the NBA draft. So let's get to it, and hope my voice holds out. This is what was new and interesting in the worlds of Google, Apple, and everyone else for the week ending June 23rd, 2018. This is ST Weekly. So first up, Google made live Android messages for the web. Now, this is still rolling out as this podcast goes live, so if you haven't received it yet, you will. But if you're a user of the Android Messages app, you will soon have access to the web client, which will allow you to send and receive messages directly from your browser, whether it be Chrome, Safari, Firefox, or something else. It's pretty simple to use. You open the Android Messages app, click the overflow menu, find the Messages for Web button, click on it, and then check the scan for QR code. And then you'll bring up messages.android.com on the web, on your favorite browser. The QR code will be there, unique to you. You scan it, and bada bing, bada boom, you're done. This begins to bring Android messages a little bit more on parity with iMessage. And quite honestly, I've been using it for the last couple of days now, and it's simple and it works. It also has a few quirks, so it'll only allow you to be signed into one PC at a time, but it does remember you, so the next time you go back to that machine, it will keep your place and log you in. It does ask you when you're switching between machines if you want to sign on here, and it'll automatically log you off of one machine and put you on the other. Not the most convenient setup, but again, it's simple and it works. It also allows you to have access to your contacts so that you begin new messages directly from the browser. This is really great functionality and quite honestly, long overdue from Google. But it's here now and if you've been using Textra like I have or another SMS app, maybe it's time to switch on over to Google and see how it works for you. In other news, Google had a release of their new podcast player app and much like Android messages for the web, it's simple and it works. It's designed to be more integrated functionality of the Google app itself, but it is a standalone app that you can download from the Play Store. I'll include a link in the description in the show notes below. Now, again, it is machine learning and AI powered, so it also has some quirks, and I haven't had an opportunity to fully vet it yet, largely in part because I love Pocket Cast so much and I've already paid for it on multiple platforms, so Google's going to have a hard time getting my money here. But the long-standing belief that I've had is that any native app to the Android or Google's platform is probably going to have better integration and be better in the long run for Android users and users of the Google platform in general. So ultimately, it may be in Google's best interest to flesh out the podcast app a little bit and give it a few more features that people will like. Now it does sync your podcast across platforms. So if you start listening on your phone, you can also pick it up on your computer or laptop if you prefer, or your tablet, which is a nice feature. And the For You recommendation is the AI powered part of it. It's not all the way there yet, but again, it's a good start. And as much with Android messages for the webs, I think it's probably a good place for Google to begin leveraging even more of their machine learning and information systems into something that people will actually use, like a podcast player. Apple Report. So this week, Apple had to issue a couple of pretty big mea culpas, the first of which was from Australia, where an Australian court fined them over $6.5 million 
because of their refusal to repair iPhones and iPads that had previously been repaired with third-party parts. Excuse me. Some of you may remember that in some instances, a software update that Apple had issued previously did a check for the Touch ID sensor, and if it sensed that there wasn't a genuine Apple part that was being used, it thought that the secure enclave could be compromised, and so it basically bricked the phone using the mysterious error code 53. This was later deemed to be a bug because in some instances the software update was bricking people's phones and they were actually using Apple parts. They were just being resold by third-party vendors and Apple didn't particularly care for that. Now, this in and of itself wouldn't have been a big deal, but Apple's lawsuit in Australia was alleging that they misled customers there saying that their iPhones and iPads could not be repaired, which was not true. and Over 5,000 people were later contacted by Apple and issued an apology. Now, what really ended up happening was Apple changed the way that the security check is done, and they later were able to go out and identify which parts needed to be replaced and was able to repair or replace them. So this lawsuit certainly speaks to Apple's Uh, somewhat unique policies, let's say, towards issuing repairs for their own devices, especially when it comes to other people doing the work. They don't have any problems fixing it for you, unless it's an iMac Pro. But the real story is, is that it was a software update that caused these problems, not the actual replacement parts itself. And so, while $6.5 million may seem like a lot, of course to Apple, it's a drop in the bucket. Now what isn't a drop in the bucket was... Late Friday, there was a report from both iMore and then it was subsequently carried by The Verge that Apple has basically issued a mea culpa on their butterfly keyboard mechanisms from MacBooks issued in 2016 and 2017. Ultimately, this new service program is going to cover devices for a maximum of four years from when they were purchased. This is Apple's way of saying, hey, we understand that Something as small as a speck of dust can ruin your keyboard and, in some bloggers' opinions, ruin their lives. And that isn't a good thing. So they're going to do the right thing and stand behind their keyboards with this now official warranty program. There is going to be a link to the full details on iMore in the description of the show notes as well. But suffice it to say that if you've invested in one of these new MacBook Pros or the MacBook as well from 2015, you should have now some recourse if you're experiencing mushiness or dead keys or if the entire keyboard has malfunctioned. While reports from service tickets for the 2016 and 2017 MacBook Pros would lead most to believe that this is a relatively small number and Apple themselves comes out and says it's a relatively small number, the fact that Apple is actually A, officially acknowledging that there is an error and that they need to fix it, and B, extending the coverage for these keyboards beyond even what Apple Care would allow you to purchase for your device really speaks volumes. And certainly, once again, they're doing the right thing, even if it comes quite a bit too late. Everyone else report. Sorry again for my voice. I'm going to try and get through this last part for everyone else as quick as possible. If you're a fan of our Anchor show, and you totally should be, we've got content Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so make sure you check us out there. 
But if you are a fan, you've heard me talk about both the Vivo Next Phone as well as the Oppo Find X phones. Both of these represent the future of smartphone design. A near bezel-less and almost 100% screen-to-body ratio, really representative of the future of smartphone design. There's a lot to like here, and they solve the front-facing camera problem in a couple of unique and interesting ways, mostly with hardware that pops up out of the top of the phone or is the entire top of the phone. In the Vivo Next's case, it's only the front-facing selfie camera that pops up in a little rectangular shape. In the Oppo Find X's case, it's both the front-facing and the rear-facing cameras that pop up. And that's something really that is unique and ingenious and, one might say, innovative. And this is definitely not, ultimately, the real or right solution to our notch problems. There are going to be things that are going to fail with this, and there's no way in heck you're going to get an IP67 or 68 rating with either of these two phones, but it's pushing the envelope forward in design, and that's really all that matters, because they solved one problem, and in essence created another one, but then somebody's going to solve that problem. And once three or four of these problems get solved, and we get through all of the iterations of this, we're going to have devices that have under glass fingerprint scanners that have selfie cameras that are in new and unique places and we're going to have phones that are like full screens in our pocket which really is going to create a much more immersive environment for things like augmented reality and virtual reality for that matter and honestly even if it does none of that and just makes for a really good tv or movie watching experience in your pocket that'll have solved it and been worth it in and of itself that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe or favorite us wherever you find your podcasts. You can find all of our content over at SiliconTheory.com. Check us out on social. We are at Silicon Theory on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find all of our video content over at YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory. Links to all that stuff's in the description, of course. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, we will talk tech soon.